This episode of Tub Talk is brought to you by Avast Business. With over 435 million active users of Avast products, if you haven't already taken a look at what Avast Business is offering, now might be the time. Visit tubblog.co.uk forward slash Avast for all the links to the details. Right now, though, let's jump into our featured interview. John Asperian, welcome to Tub Talk. Hi there, Richard. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Now, you and I, I'm trying to remember where we first became friends. I'm going to give the credit to Chris Marr across at the Content Marketing Academy. Would that be right? Yeah. Yeah. I joined the CMA in, when was it? Probably the middle of 2016. And I think we got in touch not long after then. And I mean, I've met so many good people through that yeah. membership organization that it's, you know, that's been worth its weight in gold, really, to, to my business over the last couple of years. Exactly. It's a phenomenal community run by mm. some some really good people in uh, Chris Meyer and Cara up there. So you, I would say over the last 12 months, though, so we've been friends for a few years now, but over the last 12 months or so, you've really become my go-to guy for LinkedIn. Now, this is an interesting one, isn't it? Because you're a copywriter by trade. So perhaps give a bit of background to, you know, what's your bread and butter on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, copywriting, technical copywriting is my bread and butter. So I've been doing that for close to a decade as an independent writer now, um, after having an experience as a, as a software and hardware tester for a, for a couple of UK ISPs. But it's only in the last few years that I discovered this idea of content marketing and started my own blog and so forth. And then in the last couple of years, when Microsoft took over LinkedIn, a lot of things changed with LinkedIn. It stopped being this thing that people saw as a place to put your CV and use only when you're desperately looking for a job uh, into becoming, you know, the world's best professional networking site. Uh, And it's more of a social media platform now uh, than ever. And so it's it's my vehicle for finding lots of new clients. So um, my best way of finding copywriting clients is through my Google search rankings. But the second to that is my LinkedIn presence. So I've been investing a lot of time in in building personal brand, sharing helpful content there. Um, yeah. And uh, it's, it's been a great way of talking to people about what copywriting is, because a lot of people don't understand the term. Um, you know, what, what is it? Is it? Is it something to do with copyright? No. <laughs> is it something to do with copying other people's writing? Definitely not. <laughs> we hope uh, not, no. <laughs> it's, it's simply writing content that helps explain um, how products and services and processes work and, and moves people to take action, usually yeah. to buy something, but it could be to you know support a political campaign or, or a charity or something like that. But anything that, that, that moves people to action is, is what I try to do. Yeah. Yeah. And you specialize in working, um, given your background with technical companies. So I know I've, I've referred you to a number of clients and bigger organizations that need the expertise that you've got there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really have a tight niche, but it always ends up being something vaguely techy rather than, you know, some kind of B2C thing. It's, it's usually yeah. something in financial services or engineering or software, um, you know, SaaS, that, that that kind of thing tends to be the people who approach me for, hmm. uh, for, for work with. Something that's not inherently easy to understand, I take in a lot of complex information and try to churn out something that humans can, can get to grips <laughs> with quickly. Yeah. yeah. 
And you do incredible work with it. So you're already my go-to technical copywriter. So I refer you to across to people there. But touching on what we said a little bit earlier, uh, and LinkedIn, you've become my go-to person for LinkedIn advice. Now, I'm really intrigued here because I'm a, I'm a big believer in, uh, in that old phrase, we, we teach that which we most need to learn. It appears to me on the surface, John, uh, as though, you know, you've talked about using LinkedIn to find copywriting clients, but you've shared what has become um, some exceptional advice on how to refine LinkedIn profiles. And so not just for you to find more copywriting people, but for any of your followers to find more uh, of their potential clients on LinkedIn. Tell me a little bit about that story there. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm just naturally the kind of person who who can't see a button and not click it, you know? So, <laughs> so if there's a menu, if there's a button, I'm gonna go investigating. And I like sharing the results of those little experiments. So as I'm there trying to find out what works, uh, whenever I see something have an effect, I'm naturally inclined to share that. And if you think about the nature of my business, which is explaining stuff, well, what better way to show off my skills than to explain how my social media platform of choice works, for example. So if I discover that, you know, hey, sharing links on LinkedIn is a really bad idea, then I'll set out a blog post that, that covers that topic and, and shows people some best practice. Um, doesn't mean that I'm setting myself up as a LinkedIn trainer, but it, it does mean that I'm demonstrating the skills, the copywriting skills I have by explaining the concepts to people. And so as I've learned more, I've ended up explaining more and I've got quite a big kind of content footprint of stuff specific to LinkedIn, but uh, it's relevant to people in all industries because especially if you work in B2B, you know, you do want to know how to increase the number of views of your posts. You do know want to know how to build proper relationships with people and what the best practices are and, and so forth. And so it has attracted quite a lot of attention. Um, so it's, yes, it's helped my business, but it's kind of been a, a, a sideline for developing a second arm for my business of, of, of helping people to, to do better on LinkedIn. Yeah. Now, let, let's give a shout out immediately, because if there's one thing I want people who are listening to uh, our interview today to do, it's to go and connect with you on LinkedIn. So let's give a shout out straight away for your LinkedIn profile URL. Um, but then let's talk about how you would go about connecting with other people, because there's an art to that as well, isn't there? But the URL first, if you would. Yeah, sure. So it's uh, it'll be linkedin.com slash in slash John Esperian. Um, and yes, feel free to either follow or connect with me. I do like it when people send me a personalized connection request rather than a generic kind of click the connect button and, and hope that I'm going to go and check out your profile to see whether <laughs> you're relevant to me. Because I think a lot of people just just assume that you don't need to send a message. But if, if you're receiving 50 or 60 or 100 connection requests a, a week, let's say, um, it takes a lot of time to go and dig in and, and find out which of these people are relevant and which of these people are just clicking connect on every single person they see in the hope of growing a network. Um, so that's one of the first tips is just be careful about the way that you approach others um, and the way that you accept connection requests. Yeah. Um so when I'm when I when I look to connect with others, I don't try to connect with use the connect feature 
straight away. Uh, I will always look at their feed first and use the follow button because what that means is I can see their content but I'm not really bothering them to do anything about it. They don't need to click any buttons to accept the fact that I want to see their stuff. And if they're posting things that I think are relevant, either there might be a colleague or someone that I think I might be able to provide some value to, uh, then in a few weeks' time, I might then move to making a connection with them. And at that point, I can send them a personalised connection request with something relevant in the message, like... I commented on so-and-so posts, I really like what you said about this, or I noticed this in your profile, or hey, we went to the same university or something like that. Establish some kind of connection, a real connection with them, and then look for opportunities to keep talking to them, rather than what a lot of people do, which is they'll send a generic message, and then immediately you've accepted, and they're straight in your DMs with some long screed of text that ends with a link and, and says, you know, hey, buy my consultation services or whatever. I, th- I don't know how, how often that works for people, but it really puts me off. It's a massive turnoff, isn't it? A massive turnoff. And I think, you know, you mentioned earlier on about, you know, getting uh, 50, 90, 100 uh, uh, requests a week. Um, I have... I was going to say famously, probably infamously taken the view now that if you send me, uh, Richard Tubb, a generic, uh, you know, or what I call a boilerplate LinkedIn review, let's connect on LinkedIn. I don't care whether you are Bill Gates, the Dalai Lama, anybody in between, um, I click ignore because I genuinely don't have the time to sift through and go, why we? So what you need to do, and I think this is best practice for everybody, as you've said, is give us a reason to connect. And, and actually, that reason might not be jumping straight into let's exchange virtual business cards. It might be showing appreciation for that person's work on LinkedIn. It might be commenting on their updates, then reaching out to them, as you say, and say, look, love your work, have followed it, have commented. Um, actually, here's a good reason why we might connect. Yeah. I mean, I, I, a lot of people fall into the trap of thinking that you need to grow your network really, really quickly. And therefore, you know, it's this mad dash to click connect or click accept whichever side of the fence you're on uh, as much as possible be this kind of open networker and I don't really think that approach works you're going to end up with a lot of irrelevant content in your feed which you're then going to have to do some work to mute Um, or LinkedIn's going to end up being of low value to you because there's just so much irrelevant stuff around it's much better to grow slowly and more organically I, I, I any day of the week, take one good connection per week than 10 or 20 so-so ones, you know? Yeah. So so that that slowing down a bit and building a more relevant network is, is, uh, is really valuable because those are the people who are going to be interested in what you've got to say in the future and they can be your, you know, they can be your first cohort of, of, um, of advocates when you, when you start sharing content or, or, creating you know writing a book or or whatever you're going to do that those people are going to end up being your customers your fans and so forth rather than just any old tom dick and harry yeah a little bit like the real world (laughs) if if you want if you want to reach out to anybody there's an old-fashioned thing called the phone book you can literally be (laughs) anybody but it's not going to make them a friend in the same way that i always take the view um connecting with anybody on linkedin well you know it doesn't make you friends there's there's nothing really there's no value to be added there is there 
Yeah, that's right. I think Mark, Mark Schaefer talks about these weak relational links, which is what, you know, most of what social media really is. So it's only when you start taking the time to learn about the other person, be general, genuinely interested in what they've got to say, and offer them something without any expectation of return, that you start being, you start being memorable to yes. them and start being trusted by them. Um, so I often say to new connections, you know, the, best way that I can be memorable to you is, is to help you get work. If I can do that with a connection, they're going to remember me for a long, long time. And you, you're you not going to be able to do that if you go and connect with 100 people because it's not enough hours in the day. If you can connect with a few and genuinely try to help them, um, they're, going to, they're going to want to reciprocate and, and that leads to a much better network in the long term. Yeah. And just going off at a slight tangent here. So I was speaking to Neil Schaefer um, uh, the other day, um, yeah. who, who has got you know, a great LinkedIn uh, following and shares lots of advice as well. And, and Neil was saying that he used to be, I think it's called a lion, yeah. uh, LinkedIn uh, open networker back in yeah. the day. And he's changed yeah. his attitude. For anybody unfamiliar with lions, that is literally, you know, talking about, um, uh, you know, the idea we've just mentioned there, which is connect with everybody. Um, yeah. Neil's saying he's changed his attitude to the, towards that over the last couple of years. And he's actively now going through and culling you yeah. know, these old connections who he doesn't remember who they are and why they're connected in the first place. These people are not memorable to him. So I'm intrigued without going off at too much at a tangent. How do you keep your LinkedIn um, Rolodex database, whichever uh, connection list, how do you keep that relevant to you, John? Yeah, well, um, one of the things, in fact, I did this just a couple of days ago is to look at my following list in other words it's the people all of the people that i'm following some of whom are connections others who aren't and if i can remember the content that they've shared or if i've dm'd them and i and i like those people i'll i'll leave them where they are but if i can't remember them then i'll just unfollow and that that following page which you can access through your profile um, you can see how many followers you've got, you've got, but you can also see how many people you're following. That gives you a kind of grid view of all of those people. And then you can quickly go and unfollow people rather than doing it per profile, which takes a lot longer. So mm. that's a good, that is a good way of making sure that your feed stays relevant. Yeah. Um, so, so I would do that. Um, just to come back to what you said about, you know, the whole concept of lions and so forth. I, I did kind of play with that idea because, I, I mean, as I said earlier, I do like to test stuff. Um, it didn't work for me. I don't think it works for most people. Um, but some things to bear in mind are that some people will connect for you for completely the wrong reasons. So, for example, some spammers will want to connect with you because showing that you're connected with them lets them target other people and increases their perceived trustworthiness because they can say, well, I've got a connection in common. You're not really their target, someone else is, but you're effectively a stepping stone for them to con or sell into someone else that they're really after. So just be aware of the possibility that you're being used. <laughs> and, and also some people might want to connect with you so that they can see your network, who you're connected with, which only becomes 
fully available to them once you've made that connection. So again, they might not be interested in you. They might be interested in a pathway to someone else that they can access uh, through you. So th- those are reasons to to just be a bit wary about connecting with anyone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, keep that in mind. Uh, there is a school of thought that says that rather than unfollowing um people which is what i tend to do it's actually better to disconnect with people altogether um and the, the i think the, the the technical reasoning behind that is that if you disconnect with people altogether then when the linkedin algorithm selects people to view the content that you've shared it's more likely then to share it with more relevant people because you've expunged those people that you don't think are relevant and therefore there's a there's a higher probability that the people in the remaining group will will see that content and those people are more likely to engage and therefore your overall view figures uh, will go up i haven't investigated that in any detail i think one of the challenges of doing that though is that you need to use a crm or some other note-taking system to say i've disconnected with this person make sure that i don't reconnect with them (laughs) yes i suppose you could do that by blocking them but that that feels a little bit heavy-handed it does feels a bit harsh yeah it it does i think i think the if the word were different maybe you'd feel more um more comfortable with it if it was just hide essentially that's what you're talking about but block feels a bit uh, a bit strong-handed so this concept of um curating or moderating uh, your followers uh, list or the people you follow let me get that 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 correct so the people that you follow and so that would be just to clarify that's the list of updates that you see when you log into linkedin people on your follow list there the people that you follow their updates are going to appear on your list so i'm in front of linkedin right now yep. uh, let's let, let me jump into this so where do i find my follow list and how can i curate that okay so if you look at your own profile yes and then if you scroll down to a section called articles and activity you should see a number with followers after it Mm -hmm. and then you should see a link that says manage followers got it now i always assumed this is people following me yes but if you click on that you'll see two tabs then appear Uh at the top and you'll see a following list yes if you click on that that gives you the grid view of all of the people you're following. It does give you an extra uh, interesting uh, bit of data, which is how many posts those people have published that week. Yes. LinkedIn's week, for some for reasons that are not clear to anyone, LinkedIn's week doesn't start on a Monday morning. I think it starts on a Wednesday maybe or something like that. Anyway, um, it, this will show you the number of posts uh, so, so the grid is ordered by the most number of posts. Now, occasionally, people use scheduling tools, uh, which is actually a pretty bad idea on LinkedIn, and they, they might post hundreds or even occasionally thousands of posts in a week because of weird scheduling stuff. Yeah. Uh, and you'll probably notice that you're in your feed, you're not seeing thousands or hundreds of things from them, which means that the algorithm really is punishing them because they're probably sharing external links. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this this is your ideal way of unfollowing people quickly without leaving this screen. So you just click the following uh, buttons underneath each person's picture and boom, they're gone from your list. So it's a very, very quick way of, of tidying things up rather than visiting their profiles individually and then clicking the more menu and then clicking unfollow. 
Yeah, but this is this is really good. So I'm coming in here, and, and I'll share with you, John. Um, you and I have had conversations about the how frequently to post to yeah. LinkedIn. Now I've been beating myself up a little <clears> bit. <throat> Uh, because I've been measuring the engagement. And when I post uh, more than once a day, the engagement goes down. And when I post yeah. more than, say, three to five times a week, the engagement goes down. Now, hmm. uh, you know, I want, to, I want to come back to that. Uh, maybe we can give some tips on the best uh, way to post. But I'm seeing some people here who are posting, uh, you know, my friend Simon's posting 412 times a week. <laughs> now, Simon, I love you, but there's no way I'm going to read 412 pieces of your information, even if it's life-changing for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's talk about frequency and what it actually yeah. means. Uh, yeah. So, so when I, when I do consultations with new LinkedIn users or people who have been dormant on LinkedIn for ages, I tell them to aim for one to two posts per week. That that's enough to start building some sort of critical mass of, of you know, content that, that, that gets you noticed. Um, personally, I'm posting seven times a week. I, I tend to post only on weekdays, so it's usually seven posts in, in a five-day period, if you like. Um, I post more than, than average, though, so I, I don't suggest that people go um, that high, but that, that's what works for me. Um, the half-life of uh, a LinkedIn post uh, tends to be more than 24 hours. So in other words, if you post something that's going to get good engagement or that has the potential to get good engagement over a period of days versus, let's say, Twitter, where the half-life might be measured in minutes. You know, things disappear from your feed and it's rare that you get likes and retweets days after an original was, was posted. It's just not the case with LinkedIn. And that means that if you post too often on LinkedIn, there is a possibility that, you know, it's like planting two seeds close to each other. The sunlight isn't going to reach them both and they have a chance of, of affecting each other's growth. Um, so you need to leave a gap. Um, if you do want to post more than once a day, you, you should leave several hours gap between them. But I recommend posting at most once a day. Um, and yes, I do find that on the days where I skip, you know, if I do a post on a Monday and then skip a Tuesday and then post again on Wednesday, that post from Monday probably will will outperform what would have happened if I posted on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. Yes. Um, on the other hand, you need to keep in mind that if you want to stay top in, top of mind with people, uh, you know, that there is a benefit of, of, of still having that background noise all, all the time. Um, and so... You know, there's a balance to be drawn. Uh, for me, it's seven times a week. I think I think that's probably a bit too much for most people. But to start with, I'd say definitely one or two posts yeah. uh, a week. More importantly to that, rather than just broadcasting your own stuff, is to get involved with other people's comments. Well, I, I was going to ask next, what does it mean? How do, Every time I put LinkedIn on, and I say this as a big compliment to you, John, your stuff is at the top of my feed. Good, uh, great. And I like it. And, 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 you know, I'm guessing with the, uh, the algorithm, it's because I like it. It's always valuable. So I don't just like things because you're a friend. I like it because it's valuable or I comment on it. Um, but what makes a good post and, and how can you um you know dominate the linkedin feed Whew, what makes a good post well I, th I think first of all avoid sales you know if it's too much me 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 or if it's too much click here and sign up for so and so or buy so and so i think that will just turn people off 
So, so you need to have this help first attitude. That, that's what I recommend to everyone. So uh, it's long been a trope in marketing that helping beats selling. And I, and I truly believe that that is, that is the case. Um, and to be very, very clear with the, the posts that you put out, you need to remember that for most LinkedIn posts, you'll see a little snippet of what the post is about. And then you might have to click the see more link to, to, to get the whole thing. So, uh, LinkedIn, like other social platforms, doesn't really want you to be creating clickbait. So, so if 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 what's in those first couple of lines doesn't isn't an adequate invoice for what for the goods that are to follow, if you like, um, then 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 you're 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 letting your reader down a little bit, and people will just tune out to that. So, uh, think of what's interesting, relevant, and helpful in your industry. Uh, and and then post on that. Um, in terms of technical stuff, uh, I always recommend um, writing no more than two sentences per paragraph. So so don't be afraid of white space. Um, and to, because you can't do rich text formatting, then you you can employ things like all caps as subheadings, or you can use emojis as list item markers because you can't do rich texts, bullets, and things like that. Anything that will help the readability, the scannability of the content, rather than this wall of text that, um, you know, it will, will just put people off. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, if you can enhance your personal branding with some, own, some of your own custom hashtags, uh, that is a good way to, to, to make your content stand out. And it helps with the searchability of your content because if you search for your own hashtags you can see the posts that others are sharing of yours which you don't always find by looking at the view stats um, of linkedin um, so those are those are just some of the tips i i, I found in my own tests that text only posts uh, will tend to get more views than image posts and will get more views than video posts although video view counts are they counted differently from the other kind. So, you know, there's a bit of a discrepancy between those anyway, but text only does seem to work well on LinkedIn. And I've got a theory about why that is, is because, because the home feed, uh, it, it kind of concertinas all of the content. It means that for any given vertical space, you can fit more text posts in than you can image posts or video posts. And therefore, LinkedIn are giving you more reasons to stay, more things that could potentially catch your eye and keep you on the, on the platform for longer. And hence, they can then show you more ads in the right-hand banner. You know, they can do more upsells to LinkedIn Premium. Um, and I don't, I don't know if you've heard this, but the, S, the, the, the CEO of Microsoft now has his bonus <laughs> tied in to the to the number of sessions and the, the amount of time uh, users spent on LinkedIn. And I so, did not know that. That's yeah, fascinating. The yeah. recent uh, recent announcement. So Mr. Nadella is getting more money if people stay longer on LinkedIn. So the the whole game there is for them to keep you hooked, and if they can show you more text posts, that seems to work. Uh, that seems to work best. Well, that, that's fascinating because every other uh, social media platform, we are told now, it's about visuals, isn't it? It's about videos. It's about visuals. So I must admit, I'm, I'm sort of surprised by that. But 
uh, that um, that I'm going to experiment with text-only posts and, and yeah. see what the results yeah. are. But my instinct, of course, is to make it visual and to make it beautiful. Now, I was yes. I was going to give you I was going to say uh, as a compliment to you, your posts are as beautiful a thing, <laughs> a post on LinkedIn as you can get with LinkedIn because you know it, it's it's quite difficult to make things uh, 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 look wonderful on there. And so I'd encourage anybody listening, you know, I've already said if there's one thing I want you to take away from today, it's that you've got to connect with John Asperian on LinkedIn. Do so and then immediately jump into his profile and swipe all of those beautiful emoticons well, and very, uh, very kind uh, icons that you've got in there because they're fantastic. I've done that for my profile. Yeah, good stuff. So what I was going to say there is that even though text-only posts um, perform best, and, and there's lots of other people who will tell you the same, and my own stats bear that out quite clearly. Um, that doesn't mean that that should be the only way of sharing content. So um, if I were purely chasing numbers, I would probably do nothing else but text only. But I think that's quite a limited mode of thinking, because in the long term, that might become quite boring for people if, if they know that all they're going to get is is text. Um, they might eventually switch off. So I like to change it up a bit, and, and I do a mix of image posts and video posts as well. Um, and also there's a new content format, uh, which is document posts. So um, not everyone has this feature yet because it's only been out for a couple of months, but you can now share Word documents, PDFs, and PowerPoints via LinkedIn posts. So if you've got, for example, an ebook or a brochure, you know, what why force people to go through an email site? First of all, why force them to leave LinkedIn, go to an email sign-up page, get them to sign up to your email list in return for a PDF that maybe they're interested in, maybe they're not. Why not just embed that PDF in a LinkedIn document post? Um, I've only tried this once so far, but I had stellar success. I had more than a quarter of a million views on on my document post for uh, my LinkedIn starter guide. Um, so, so that is a way of uh, of getting your content seen by more people. And, and I'm a firm believer in, in not. Um, I know a lot of people disagree with this, but I don't really believe in gating my content. Uh, I would rather, if if you want to read my stuff, you're welcome to. Uh, and I want to try and remove as many barriers as possible to making that happen. So it's not from it's not about getting people off a platform or getting people onto an email list, um, because you know my my whole approach is not to sell anyway. So I'm just giving you helpful stuff. And if you happen to remember me at the point where you need a copywriter, brilliant. Yeah. Um, and so 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 things like document posts are, are a good way of demonstrating your authority and giving away something helpful without expecting anything from the reader. Fabulous. I wasn't aware of document posts, so I'm, I'm going to check that out. Now, uh, for me, and I'm, this is an open secret, so I'll share it with you, John. One of the benefits to uh, running this, hosting this podcast here is I get to, to bring experts like yourself on and essentially, I get free consultancy because <laughs> I ask all the questions that I want to answer myself and the audience sure. just happens to find it interesting. So from that perspective, I'm going to be upfront about it. For somebody like me, John, um, who produces a lot of content on my home territory, on my blog, on my yeah. podcast and things, if I want to get the word out via LinkedIn about yeah. that content, yeah. that's in conflict, isn't it, with what LinkedIn are wanting me to do. They're wanting people to stay on the platform. Yes. You've already taught me that, 
external links on LinkedIn are like kryptonite to posts. Mm -hmm. So how can somebody like me who wants to drive traffic back to my home platform, how can I go about sharing that content and engaging with people? Yeah. Well, first of all, you could take the you could take the opinion that you just want to build authority and therefore you could post on LinkedIn text only using snippets of your existing content from your blog. So so to pull a quote out and then expand on that in the 1,300 characters or so that you've got. Um, and you can do that without any links. But again, it, it kind of reinforces that you know what you're talking about. You're talking about something relevant, and here's a snippet of useful information. And you could mention, again, in text, if you want, there's more about this on my blog, and, and kind of leave it at that. Uh, secondly, you could... Uh, use a little crafty workaround for sharing external links, uh, which is to write your content without any links and publish, and then to almost immediately go and edit the content and add the link back in. Now, this workaround is, is, is something I call the right post-edit method. It is, seems to be a loophole, uh, but one that hasn't been plugged for many, many months. And I'm not quite sure why it's the case, but um, some tests suggest that an edited post with a link added to it might still get anywhere between 90 and 95% of the reach of a completely unedited text post. So the, 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 the penalty, if you like, is so minimal that it's still worth doing. Um, so, that, so that's another uh, method you can use, and, I, and I, I, I use that myself, and that's that's brought great results. Yeah, that absolutely. Makes sense. And the third method I would suggest is to republish your blog post content on uh, as a LinkedIn article. Um, now, Google has changed um, the way that it, its indexing works, so that you, you know it, it no longer penalizes. Uh, what would typically be thought of as duplicate content. Um, so the way that I do this is I post, I publish on my blog first. That is always my primary source. You know, at the end of the day, that's the that's the space that I control on the internet. And who, who can guarantee whether you can really control your social media profiles in the future? Then I use the Google Search Console, which is a free tool that lets you index any given page that you want. So I will immediately, upon publication, send uh, my blog post URL through Google Search Console to say, please index this page. And usually within a, a matter of a few hours, that blog post page is, then appears in the real Google index. And once that happens, you are free to republish that content on any other third-party platform. So, for example, LinkedIn article or Medium or some other uh, thing. And to get an extra SEO hit, uh, you can tweak the title of the article slightly. It can just be a couple of words, but if the searcher is looking for something slightly different to what the original was about, You've got two ways of getting them to, to reach the same content. Maybe you want to change up the graphics too, but you don't really need to. And then you finish that LinkedIn article at the bottom with a standard bit of text that says, this article was first published on you know, the Tub blog or wherever at this URL. So that's an extra signal to, to Google of, of where the referring content comes from. And all of a sudden, you've kind of doubled your content footprint by doing very, very little. 
Uh, and that's the kind of thing is 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 easy, repeatable stuff that you don't need to do yourself. You could easily get a, a virtual assistant or some other member of your team to do that. It doesn't really require a lot of brain power. But once you've done it, it means that you've got your, your body of work is kind of duplicated on LinkedIn. So people don't even need to leave the platform in order to consume all of the goodies that you've got. Uh, and the whole idea behind this is, again, building that content footprint, being the authority in your space, uh, you know, being the memorable person who, whenever you think of a question, has always got an answer ready and waiting to go. If you can get to that point, then you've got a much better chance of being the person of preference when, when the time comes for people to you know, put their hand in their pocket. Yeah. You talk on your LinkedIn profile, John, about being relentlessly uh, helpful. This is absolute gold. So let, let's keep going with this. Thank you for sharing. Now, um, I'm somebody who uses, uh, I like to batch activities. And so I use uh, social media scheduling tools. Yeah. I've learned over the last 12 months or so, you know, to sort of take um, a cautious approach to that when it comes to LinkedIn. So yeah. tell me more about what I can and can't automate. So for instance, cool. I've got a new post. I want it to go out at a certain time on LinkedIn. Is a way for me to schedule that within LinkedIn or do I have to use a third party tool? Well, if okay, so if you wanted to if you wanted to share a link to an external post, then doing that through a, a scheduling tool like Buffer or Hootsuite uh, would be a very bad idea because that that post is going to appear with the link embedded and truthfully the algorithm's going to stomp all over that. Uh, and before 2017, that is precisely what I used to do. And I was lucky if I got one or two likes or comments, and I would barely get somewhere between 50 and 100 views for each post. And frankly, it was a complete waste of time. And if I were to revert to that method of doing things, um, my, my engagement would go right down the toilet. So that, that, it's, that is not a, a good way of doing things. If you want to schedule text-only content, third-party scheduling tools are fine. If you want to schedule uh, images, again, fine. What you can't do with a third-party tool um, is to tag people. So if you wanted to write a post and tag someone, you know that would work if you're scheduling something on Twitter. It will not work if you're scheduling something on LinkedIn. The only tool that will let you schedule things on LinkedIn and tag people is LinkedIn's own scheduling tool. That's called LinkedIn Elevate, and I think it costs something like £1,500 a year. So most people aren't going to use that. It's an enterprise-level solution. Right. Um, so, it, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, there isn't a practical way of doing that. Um, if you're of the mindset that, well, all right, I'll schedule this stuff as text content and then go afterwards in and edit it to, to add the links or put the link in the comments, which is what some people use instead, you can do that, but that removes some of the convenience of, yes. of, of scheduling in the first instance. And what, one of the other things that we found um, other LinkedIn trainers have found is that engagement in the first hour after publication um, is important as it's a good indicator of the overall success of a post. And so if you're scheduling something um, and it goes out and you're not present to foster that early engagement, uh, you might lose out on the long-term success of that post. And so when you think of it like that, it probably would be better to schedule less and post more manually. 
which you know is not i know is not a convenient for people but depending on what your goals are if you really actually want to build a proper presence on linkedin it is probably worth the effort of of posting less overall but doing more manually and, and this is the the approach that i've taken and it's 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 made a huge difference to me you know I, i've gone from for my text posts i've gone from having 100 views per post to having you know, more like 4,000 views per post. Um, so it's, it's made a huge difference in terms of people seeing my stuff. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, I sometimes hear from people saying, yeah, but I don't have time for all that. I'm just going to keep scheduling. And I think, well, you, you might as well not bother because no, no one's reading it. <laughs> no, and going back to the tip that you shared me earlier about managing followers, let's pick on poor Simon, my friend here again. 412 posts this week of which I – have seen a zero. Now, either Simon has got much more time on his hands than I, I thought, and he's manually written 412 posts in the film. It's much more likely, isn't it, John, that he has scheduled those posts yeah. and I've seen yeah. nothing. So, you know, it, it, it's it's a fruitless effort, isn't it? It is. It is. What's the point? If you, I was going to ask you, actually, how many of those you've seen, and as you've said, none. Zero. So, Absolutely zero, yeah. So if you don't see him, you know, out of sight is out of mind, isn't it? So, uh, okay, he might be a friend, fair enough. Um, but if you do see people's posts more often, is that drip drip effect of even if you don't particularly know them but if you keep seeing their name and associating them with a with a skill or, or with a content topic then you're just naturally more inclined to to refer them for work or to to approach them when the time's right for you and so you'll do that you'll, you'll be much better placed to, to have that effect on people if yeah. you can post manually so we, we've talked about um, sharing content out there and what makes up a, a good post and how to get it seen by others. How important is it, John, uh, for the algorithm, um, not just generally, because it is, it is very important generally, to engage with others in their content, to leave comments, to leave likes. Um, so we know in a real-world scenario this is important, isn't it? If you want to appear on people's yeah. radars, you want to keep front of mind, it's yeah. just good as a human being to show yes. love for other people's work. But what yes. does it mean from an algorithm perspective for LinkedIn? Well, I, I think I think it, it, it shows that you're willing to uh, engage. You know, one of the measures in the social selling index is things like engage with insights. And, and part of that measure is, is how active you are. And that, that doesn't just mean broadcasting. It does mean getting involved in other people's content. So, and some people's whole marketing um, strategy is not to post their own content, but instead to um, to, to kind of ride off the back of other people's content where they can add uh, their own, uh, you know, sort of qualified opinions. And for some people, particularly more introverted people who might not have the confidence to, to, to put something of their own out into the world, it might be easier for them to kind of work their way in and get started by looking at some thing that someone else has done and then thinking, yeah, I've got an opinion on that. I'm going to chip in with this. So that, that might be a nice, easy way of entering. But overall, I would say that, you know, no one is an island. And if you want other people to help you out on your own posts and, and help you spread the word, then if you can give them something of value on their posts, again, they're much more likely to remember you. If you're a celebrity, you don't need to do that. You can just you can just broadcast your own stuff, not give two hoots about the engagement that you get from others, and people keep engaging with your stuff because they love you or, or whatever. But 
99% of us aren't in that aren't in that zone. So if you want to succeed with your own content, you've got to stop thinking in broadcast terms and start thinking in engagement terms. And I, I normally recommend for every, let's say, one post of yours that you do, you know, think about for commenting on four, five, even ten other people's posts. So not just a like, but actually a meaty comment. Um, so you know multiple lines um, adding something that's relevant rather than trying to sidetrack the debate into something you're more interested in or trying to be salesy and stuff Um, because that gives value obviously that gives value to the post that you're contributing to so that the poster is going to be thankful of your expert um, contribution but also if you think about the way that the algorithm works it ranks comments based on what it thinks is most relevant. Okay, so every time you look at a post, you'll see a little drop-down menu to the right that says um, top comments. Right. So if you can post a meaty comment that's relevant, you'll probably end up getting the top comment on that post, and lots of people will discover you. Lots of people who aren't in your network but are in the other person's network will see your comment and go, oh, this guy, this guy seems to know what he's talking about. Let's let's uh, reply to him or let's follow him or let's connect with him. So it's a great way of expanding your, your authority, your knowledge, and your network by, by contributing to other people's stuff rather than just sticking in your own aisle and, and writing uh, about your own content. It's yeah. just a good thing to do. Um, and so I, I you know I, I do comment on a lot of people's stuff a lot. Absolutely makes sense. So, a couple of follow-up questions from uh, for that, John. If I is there any way within LinkedIn for me to curate whose content I see? We've talked about followers <laughs> and following, but if I say, uh, yeah, I, I want to see more of this person's content and less yeah. of that, and I guess this is something, isn't it, across the board, Facebook and Twitter? Mm-hmm. So, t- Twitter, for instance, we've got Twitter lists. I can grab people and pull them all together. Can I do anything similar in LinkedIn, John? There isn't a lists feature. It's something that I've asked for many times, and I don't really get any responses on that. I'd love to see a lists feature. Um, what I've ended up doing is a belt and braces approach where I'll bookmark people's feeds in Google Chrome and then go, you know, open all the files in this folder and then I can see all of the stuff in one hit. But that, that's hardly ideal. Um, a, another way is to is to follow good hashtags that you know that the subset of connections you want to uh, see from, you know, they're using those hashtags. So you could do that too. But... Otherwise, there's no real good way of doing it other than aggressively unfollowing the people you don't want to hear from, which mm. is an onerous task, but that, that, that is a way of doing it. Um, and really, that's about it. I, I can't think of a good way of, uh, of explaining otherwise. But also, I would say that um, if you, the algorithm will show you more of the stuff that you engage with. So, what that means is that if there's something that you don't like, the, the worst thing that you can do is comment on it saying, you're wrong, and here's the... Because that's indicating that you want more of that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. The algorithm's stupid enough to go, oh, well, wow, we spent five minutes commenting on that one. He must really yeah. love this one, and actually it drove you mad. So um, actually the, 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 the best thing to do is to ignore as much as possible the things that drive you up the wall, which is 
weird from a social point of view because what that could mean is that you end up putting yourself in a silo where you only ever hear the voices that you agree with and 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 there are all sorts of reasons why that's actually bad it's much better to have a broader um uh, you know uh, menu to, to 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 pick from if, if you yeah. think about it but uh, if stuff if, if you don't like stuff if you don't like people sharing uh, you know headshot videos all the time where, where they say something that could have been written in one sentence just don't engage with it don't look at it don't like it don't comment and the algorithm eventually will learn that you're not really into that kind of stuff uh, yeah. but then conversely very much support the stuff that you do want to see more of and over time uh, you'll see more of it but yeah i think i think a lists feature would just cut through all of that you can just say right i want to see tom dick and harry every day uh, you know have a see first kind of thing as facebook does i mean linkedin is is well known for copying a lot of facebook's functionality so i imagine that that kind of thing will be coming uh, but at the moment it's not very convenient to do it unfortunately yeah that makes sense so uh, from that perspective we've already talked about scheduling with third-party tools mm-hmm. what about managing your linkedin interactions and so let me i'll, I'll share with you if you can uh, humor me for a little bit of therapy here john mm-hmm. i have a love-hate relationship with linkedin so yeah. i love the idea of the platform but i actually you know, hate is perhaps too strong a word, but I dislike the interface. I find it clumsy. Mm-hmm. And for somebody who lives uh, an inbox zero philosophy as I do, you know, I like to close things down. I like to have things done and move on. So I've logged on to my LinkedIn here and in the top right-hand corner in notifications, um, I've got like a billion notifications. Now that's since yesterday. Um, so, and it comes up and it tells me that 19 people have liked this post. And, yeah. you know, so I, I I'm not to be, um, dismissive. I appreciate people liking the post, but I don't really need to know about that. So yeah. it becomes difficult for me to manage. And in fact, on, on Facebook, John, I, I've got a, a Chrome plugin that suppresses the likes. <laughs> so I only see interactions, you know, John has commented and I'll reply yeah. to your comment yeah. because, you know, I don't like to leave any comment uh, left behind. Um, so I guess the, the crux of my question here is, how do you manage your LinkedIn? Because you must have a lot more interactions than the majority of people. Do you use third-party tools or have you got some tips and tricks there? I, I don't use third-party tools because LinkedIn's got a reputation for clamping down on those. It really doesn't like things that try to embed itself in the LinkedIn platform. Um, and it it's even goes as far as you know um, stopping those things from working altogether and potentially penalizing the users who, who've bothered to use it. So uh, my best recommendation for that would be to, on desktop, you know, dig into the me menu and go to settings and privacy. And in there, if you if you go to the communications tab, the first option is called notifications on LinkedIn. You've got loads of options in there that you, where you can suppress um, the notifications that are sent to you. So um, if you do this on mobile, you can also, um, you can change the stuff that's notified to you within the LinkedIn app, but also the stuff that's notified to you on your mobile home screen. So so the things that cause the, the, the little red numbers to come up on the app icon, you can, you can change those independently of the things that are notified to you once you're using the app. I try to turn off as much as possible. So I'm looking at it at the moment and I can see, you know, that there's options for activity in your network and activity that involves you and invitations and messages and so forth. I try to turn that off as much as possible. Um, What I also uh, tend to do is that once I've commented 
um, on someone else's post, if I've got a response from the poster and I kind of feel as though I've done my bit and they've, they've acknowledged me, if I receive any future notifications in that thread, I'll use the little ellipsis menu, the more menu next to that notification and say mute this thread so that I don't need to ref- see any more. And that's one reason I recommend that whenever you reply to a comment, that you always tag the person that you're replying to, because that tag breaks through the, 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 the muting of the thread so that you can still get someone's attention. You need to bear in mind, though, that if, you, if you're an incessant tagger, you're going to annoy people. And so, and so you <laughs> being ignored or, or unconnected with in, in doing that too much. Yeah, which absolutely leads to it's as though you you saw the questions I'm writing down here, Jim, uh, John. The tagging other people in posts. Now, there's there's I've got two thoughts on this one, and and yeah. I think I know which way you're going to go here. The first one is it's helpful, isn't it, if you tag other people um, who are going to find your post of interest for certain. But I found more recently that. Um, I'm getting tagged again and again and again and again by the same people in posts that, yes, I might have a passing interest in, but I don't need to be notified about. So what's your, what's your school of thought on tagging people in posts? I I think you should tag only when it's highly, highly relevant to the person and also use it sparingly. Um, I'm tagged in five or six posts every day, which is, is tiresome for me because often those things are not relevant. Um, And so, yeah, my best advice is to use sparingly uh, and to think that you should, you should tag someone only when you know that they're going to respond because it's something they're interested in or it's a work opportunity um, or it's a passion project of theirs or something like that, or, or you're able to then introduce them to someone that you know that they don't know. And you think that there's a valuable relationship, not just, to, to get more engagement. You know, if you're tagging me in because you know that I'm going to respond out of politeness and that's going to get you more views, um, I'm going to get bored of that pretty quickly. And I do. And, and eventually I'm going to have to take a tough decision. I'll either just start ignoring you or I'll unfollow you or in extreme circumstances, I might even have to block you if you don't, if you don't respect those boundaries. Because, you know, we all have 24 hours in a day yeah. uh, and I can't be sitting here uh, replying to everything just because you've tagged me into it. Yeah. So, yeah, just, just, just be wise, you know, just, just, just be wise. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. That just as a side note here, am I making this up? Do I imagine uh, or, or misremember in the past? There used to be a feature on LinkedIn where instead of tagging people in the post, underneath the post, you could say, hey, I think John and Phil and Dave would be interested in this post. Have I made that up, John? I think there may have been something like that, but it's, been, it's, it's yeah. ages old if it was there before. I, I can't quite recall. But um, yes, everything these days is based around tagging if you want to get someone's attention. Yes. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, just 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 be careful, be mindful, and and um, don't be chasing short term engagement because you might be damaging long term relationships. Yeah, absolutely. It's your um, soundbite. <laughs> good rules for life, let alone LinkedIn. I would say so. Uh, yeah, yeah. So let's. You've you've given us a lot of really valuable info on how to engage with others, um, how to to post effectively, how to reach others. Let's talk briefly, if we can, about your actual LinkedIn profile itself. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying, John, I thought 
you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a student of the game here. I thought I'd got a good LinkedIn profile until I engaged you to do a LinkedIn profile review mm-hmm. of me. And wow, and I think you were very complimentary about a lot of it, but my goodness, you pointed out a lot of fantastic little tweaks. And, uh, and as a result, I've implemented the advice that you gave to me. Um, and my LinkedIn profile has absolutely been transformed uh, as a result. So this is a service, just to be upfront, this is a service you sell, isn't it? A LinkedIn profile review. Um, you will come in and you will review somebody's profile and give feedback back on it yes. talk to me a little bit what that process looks like yeah i mean for, first of all as, as i've said before you know I, I publish a lot of free helpful content so that you can do most of this stuff yourself but if if time's short or if you want a bit of kind of expert help you know, on implementation that's the service that i'm giving you i'll give you my time and give you my recommendations based on the stuff that i've been learning about over the last couple of years so that you can you can kind of brush up your your linkedin profile but uh yeah there, there are kind of two flavors uh to the service that the professional service i offer one which is that I'll do a video-based review of your content. So you give me your LinkedIn profile and I'll spend about 20 minutes or so looking through it uh, with, with my camera turned on and give you my recommendations for how that could be improved. And then there's a kind of upgraded version of that, which is I'll do all of that, but I'll also rewrite your summary and the experience section um, the way that you know, any other copywriter would to try and make your best uh, kind of features stand out and draw more people in. Um, so that takes me a bit longer, costs a little bit more. But the idea is that, you know, it should end up with with more relevant leads into your business. And if you think about what that might be worth to you financially, um, then then hopefully that, that provides some, some good value. So, um, so yeah, the, these are services that usually take hours or sometimes a day of my time to, to implement. I focus on, first of all, the things that everyone is going to see whenever they look at anything you've done on LinkedIn, which is your uh, your your uh, your headline, uh, your summary, your banner, and so forth. How how clear are those things? What are the calls to action? Um, is it clear who you're serving and what uh, what service you're offering? Because so many people try to go for a clever headline, and then you end up scratching your head and thinking, well, you know, what what does a unicorn wrangler really do? No idea. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, so, um, but at the same time. You, you don't want to be too boring and just put a you know manager you know basic job title because that's not going to be memorable either. So um, so it's a mix between trying to dig out what your true brand personality is uh, and and clarity. You know, being very very clear because people will probably look at your profile for only a few seconds and make a very snap judgment on whether they want to connect with you, potentially do business with you. Uh, and so, you know, if you can get people's attention uh, and be interesting, but also clear at the same time, that's that's the essence of what the, the profile review uh, will give to you. Your profile was actually really good uh, on, on the scale of some of the ones that I've seen. <laughs> got the, Thank you. Uh, generic banner and nothing written in the summary at all. Um, so, we, we yes, we did make some tweaks, but um, usually around uh, just, just tightening up the headline a bit and, and, and beefing up the summary so that it's really, really clear about um, uh, who you serve and, and why people should pick you. And, and then just making things a bit more readable so it's, a, it's not just a wall of text, as I said earlier. It's, it's broken up. It's nice and scannable. And, and there's a clear call to action, you know. So um, I, I think all web co- copywriting needs to have that in mind. What do you want them to do 
once they've looked at your LinkedIn profile. And, and few people think about it in those terms, but you know, uh, your LinkedIn profile is always a stepping stone to potential business, right? So if you think about it like that, then you have to think, right, okay, so this, they've stepped on that stone. What's the next stone? Um, so in your case, it might be, you know, book a consultation or, or subscribe to my podcast or, or take a look at this page on my website. Fine. But you, you need to make that really crystal clear to people so that uh, they've got a single action to take afterwards. Yeah. And I got absolutely, you know, thank you again. I got phenomenal value from that video uh, and actions that you did for me. I implemented them there and then, and I'm looking at my profile. I'm actually quite proud of my LinkedIn Good. profile That's now. Great. That's <laughs> so I'd highly recommend anybody listening, you know, if, if you're looking at your profile and you're thinking, eh, not really sure, you know, John is the guy to reach out to and, and, and you know, get him to spend some time on it because it really does deliver incredible value. Fantastic. Thanks a lot for that. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I've met lots of people at networking events where, you know, they'll give you the business card, but they might say something like, and I'll say, oh, are you on LinkedIn? Because it might pop. Oh, yes, I am, but I haven't updated it for years. And oh, don't, don't look there. Don't look there. Because <laughs> you, you need to, what you said was really important just then. You need to be proud of it. This is your professional business presence. Of course, you've got your website. Great. But, you know, chances are that people will look you up on social media. And especially if you work in B2B, people will have a nose around it, your, your LinkedIn profile. And if it's clear that it hasn't been updated for years or, or, or you know, it's really, really out of date, it doesn't say anything about you, you do lose a bit of credibility. You know, people just think that maybe you're not, you're not uh, maybe not that active or maybe you're taking a break from business or you just don't care about it. So, um, yeah, it's worthwhile spending a little bit of money or at least a little bit of time in, in brushing up your own content so that your your profile represents, you know, the professional business that you own. Yeah. And you touched upon something earlier there that I want to emphasize. And that, and, and that was that, you know, the, the copywriting, the, the words, the copy that you're using within your LinkedIn profile is often a fantastic template for other uh, areas on the web, for your mm -hmm. website, for your marketing collateral, for, for other things. So you are a copywriter by trade. So it's absolutely no surprise that by making people's LinkedIn profiles very good, you, you're actually going to, I think, going to be setting them on a path to improve all areas of their online presence and how yes. other people perceive them. So. Yeah, yeah, that's really, really important. I mean, it's 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 kind of the subject that I'm going to be talking about in the book that I'm planning to write, which is this idea of being congruent and consistent everywhere. So it, it wouldn't be of much value if you spent time and money brushing up your LinkedIn profile and then having a terrible website that doesn't have the same tone of voice. Everything has to be consistent. Everything has to be the same shape everywhere. And it, it does that does mean probably investing some time and money, but the effect of that can be massive. You know, if, if you've got this professional look and feel to everything you do and everything seem consist, seems consistent, that can kind of imbue a sense of authority and experience that, you know, you're not just some fly-by-night who's turned up and fixed one page. You know, you, you kind of, you've got it sorted. Um, and that, that's a really important thing to get to. It's not appreciated by a lot of people. I think partly the, the, the writing side of things, I think partly because unless you're illiterate, you can write, right? So, so whereas if you need a logo, you'd go to a logo designer because you're not, a, you're not a specialist in that. If you need a website, you'd go to a techie website person because you're not a specialist in that. But if you need to write something, you've got a keyboard in front of you and you can press the buttons and everyone can write. So you just do that yourself. 
Um, but just because you can write doesn't mean that you should. And the results that a professional writer can get for you, um, chances are will probably outperform the things that you could write yourself. You might be too close to your own business to, to really write objectively, or you just might not be as experienced in writing as a, as a professional who does it day in, day out would. So, for the people who really want to kind of break through and, and, and help their businesses stand out a bit more, um, then yeah, considering professional copywriting would be probably a good idea. And there is a reason why all the big businesses don't do, um, you know, they don't do just their own writing. They'll give it to professional writers in-house or externally. Um, and that can often be the difference between producing good, uh, effective uh, written communications versus producing something that's you know forgettable and boring. just there yeah yeah mm. unremarkable yeah mm. and i want to emphasize that you know i am um by hook or by crook i found myself being a professional writer now i write books yeah. I write blog posts i get paid um, well to to do that and i really enjoy it however I still uh, bring in people like yourself, John, to do uh, copywriting for me, for sales copy, um, for landing pages, uh, uh, for things like that, because it's a skill. It's a different skill. You know, I'm good at writing in conversational style, explaining concepts and ideas to people, but actually getting uh, people to take action um, on a sales copy or whatever is a different thing. So I would encourage anybody listening to this, think about investing in a copywriter. Have a conversation with John or somebody like John in your local area because it does reap, pay absolute dividends over the long term. Yeah, I think the more you can professionalise those things that you're not a specialist in, you know, the, the more time you've got to, to, to get down to the nub of what it is that you're in business about, you can focus on your special skill and outsource you know, your design work, your writing work as much as possible. Those are the people who tend to stand out because they just spend more time doing the things that they're brilliant at and handing over the tasks that they're not so brilliant at. And that, that's how you build a good business. Yes, yes. Now, you are relentlessly helpful. I think anybody who uh, this has been their first exposure to John Asperian in this podcast will see that that's the case. You've delivered value, value, value all the way through. I'm also conscious you've got a business to run, though. <laughs> so we will uh, draw our time here sure. together to a close. But before we do, on a personal level, have I written you a LinkedIn testimonial to say thank you for the profile review? I'm not sure that you have, but uh, by all means, go ahead if you wish. That's I'm definitely fun. going to do that. And we could have another conversation about LinkedIn <laughs> testimonials, but we'll hold that perhaps for um, my gut feeling is that this is going to be an exceptionally well-received episode and we'll probably have you back very, very soon, as soon as your time allows. But before we do, um, we talked about your uh, service, you know, the LinkedIn profile review. We talked about your copywriting, but you put out an incredible amount of free content for people to to demonstrate your expertise and value. I know you've got a starter guide, you've got an engagement guide. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, if people want to find out more about your work, where they can go and start looking at it. Yeah, the best place is, uh, if you want to have a chat with me, the best place is via LinkedIn. But if you want to get access to that free content, the best place to go is my website. So hesperian.co.uk. And at the top, there's a LinkedIn help uh, uh, link and that will take you to things like my starter guide and my engagement guide so all of my best thinking all my best advice is there available for free you don't need to sign up to any email lists or anything like that although you're welcome to do so if you wish and um, you know that's that's there so that you can kind of do it all yourself uh, the only thing is it will take you time to consume it all because there is a fair amount there <laughs> 
but I do believe in giving away your best knowledge for free, uh, which, uh, you know, is might be considered weird. You know, why would you give away your secrets? Well, what I found is that the more I share, the more I earn, you know, the, the more trusted I am. Uh, and it's just an, it's an indicator of what it might be like to work with me because I'm sharing um, you know, my knowledge, my experience in these, in these areas. So all of my best stuff is there and I try not to hide anything. Um, so by all means, go to Asperian.co.uk, check out my guides. If you've got any questions, get in touch. I'm more than happy to, uh, to give you my thoughts. And if you want a profile review or anything like that to do with LinkedIn, then uh, yeah, get in touch and we can talk about that too. Fantastic, John. It's been an absolute thrill to talk to you today. I have personally been scribbling notes as we go through. I've got even more uh, actions and things to just to tweak up the way I use LinkedIn and to tweak up my profile. So I'm sure listeners are going to get a whole lot from this as well. Um, Thank you so much for your time today, John. Really appreciate it. You have become, as I said, my LinkedIn go-to guy. And I suspect after listening to this podcast, you're going to become the go-to guy for a lot more people on LinkedIn as well. So thank you for spending your time with us today. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers. Cheers. That's all for now. Thanks for joining us, guys, and we'll look forward to speaking to you next time. Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tubblog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. Richard here, and I wanted to give a really big shout out and to say a huge thank you to our friends at Avast for bringing this episode to you. In the face of increasingly complex threats targeting small and medium businesses, yesterday's methods are no longer enough. Cybersecurity must be quicker, smarter, and more reliable than ever before. Avast business provide a range of powerful, easy to deploy security products and management platforms designed for IT solution providers and managed service providers. Avast business offer a variety of cybersecurity products that are MSP friendly. You can choose from standalone antivirus products, managed antivirus products, cloud care for layered endpoint and network security services, backup and recovery, content filtering, email security, patch management, and a management console to easily deploy endpoint protection solutions to devices in your client networks. These solutions are all backed by the largest, most globally dispersed threat detection network in the world. If you've not checked out Avast's secure internet gateway, then I'd recommend taking a look at the video demo that Avast's Paul Fenwick and I recorded. It delivers a full security stack as a service that protects users wherever they go. With 30 years as a leading cybersecurity company and over 435 million active users of Avast products, if you haven't already taken a look at what Avast business is offering, now might be the time. Visit tubblog.co.uk forward slash Avast for links to all the details. <laughs> <laughs>